So uh, we're going to open up scripture this morning. Romans chapter 5 is where we are going to be heading. Who enjoyed the extra hour of sleep last night? A few hands go up. (laughs) As we turn there, who likes receiving gifts? A couple of us. Who likes being the beneficiary of generosity? Who likes giving gifts or giving, being the benefactor of generosity? Wonderful. We'll pray for the first lot earlier. Jesus himself said it's more blessed to give than receive, of course. But in our home, uh, my wife and I, we have three children. And in the mo- month of March, it's our two boys. They have a birthday, one at either end of the month. And uh, there's always much excitement in our home around birthday time. And we try and make a big deal of it, try and make them feel special. But also we try and instill a sense of generosity in our kids so that they buy gifts for each other and for us as well when it's Steph and my turn for our birthday. And uh, so much excitement at our home. But this morning I've brought along a couple of my favorite gifts that I have received over the years. They might not look like much to you, but to me, they speak of generosity, of blessing, and of, of cost. I'll explain the story. Right here, these are some guitar strings that I've used many years ago, a few years ago, but I've kept them. I keep both these things up in my office where I can see them. My oldest son, for a birthday a few years ago, he wanted to buy me a gift or contribute to a gift, and he thought about what he might get me. And he knew that I play guitar and love guitar, and so he decided, I'm going to buy Dad some guitar strings. So he went there with, with my wife, he marched into Better Music, and he said, I'd like some guitar strings, please. So my dad, he paid for them, out, or contributed to them out of his own money. And when I received them, it just touched my heart at my son's simple act of generosity. These band-aids are from my other son, and... Uh, There's a story behind this one, and it's that in winter, uh, with the dry conditions that we have here in in our wonderful city, that my hands tend to get very dry, very dry, very cracked and sore, splits, you know, the splits at the end of your thumbs. So when it came time for birthday to come around, my youngest, uh, second son, he said to my wife, I want to get dad some band-aids so that... His hands are okay, so his hands can heal up, so they're not so sore. Now these two gifts, they may not look like much, but they are a reminder to me of generosity. That's why I have them up in my office, so I can see them, and every time I look at them, I smile and think of the generosity that my children extended towards me. If we think about a good and generous gift giver, there are a number of qualities, I think, I was trying to reflect on this week. And it's not an exhaustive list, but I think when we think about someone who's a good and generous gift giver, the nature of the gift that's given is, is somewhat personal, personal to us. It's, there's a sense of it being what the recipient of the gift needs or desires but could not attain on their own, perhaps. There's a sense of it being valuable to the receiver of the gift. And it also involves some degree of cost, doesn't it? 
Now, if the heart of this dad is stirred at the generosity of his children, my children, how much more should our hearts be stirred when we think about God's generosity towards us? When we think and consider all that he has done for us through the cross, all that he is doing in the here and now, the breakthrough that he's bringing, the sense of his presence here this morning, his provision, protection, all those things. When we think about generosity, a generous gift giver, this is modeled and encapsulated perfectly in the Lord our God. For we worship a God who is exceedingly, abundantly generous towards us. Generous with his love, generous with his mercy, generous with his gifts, generous with his goodness, generous in the grace and the love that he displayed at the cross. Let me give you a few scriptures just to kind of get us thinking this morning. James 1.5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. James 1.17, Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like the shifting shadows. John 1.16, From his fullness we have received grace upon grace. Not just a trickle, not just a measly amount, but grace upon grace. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his only son. Matthew 7, if if we who are evil know how to give, give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? We could perhaps spend many hours looking through the scriptures at similar verses or passages that proclaim the Lord's heart of generosity towards his people. But today I want to just focus on a particular passage in Romans 5. Of course, we have Easter in a couple of weeks. So just to prepare our hearts, I guess, to look towards uh, the sacrifice that Jesus made upon the cross for our salvation. This is what it says in in Romans chapter 5. Let me pray before we get too much further. Lord, thank you for this uh, this blessing, Lord, to be together as your people. Thank you for the privilege of opening up your word. Lord, I ask that you would give each and every one of us here soft hearts, open hearts, open ears, Lord, to hear what it is that you might be saying to us this morning. We honor you. We bless you. We receive your word this morning with thankfulness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Incredible, incredible passage. There's so much in there that we could delve into. But as I read it, I read it, I, I cannot help but see this, this thread, this theme running through it of the abundant generosity of God. By way of a quick overview, Paul has spent the first part of Romans presenting the need, if you like, the need of mankind for God's generosity. He talks about the wrath of God being revealed against sin. It talks in, in Romans 3 about all have fallen short. This need that we have for justification, right standing with God. Then Paul moves in the latter part of chapter 3 and 4 to expound on the way to have right standing with God. It's, it's this free gift that's received through faith. And so here in chapter 5, we read of the, the blessings that flow to us of having right standing with God. We could say what God's generosity towards us in Christ means for us. So the first thing that I want to encourage us in this morning, what God's generosity towards us in Christ means for us is that we have peace with God. We have peace with God. In the face of, of wars and rumors of wars, in the midst of pandemics and all those things, in the midst of the day-to-day -day stresses and challenges that we face, the desire for peace and the pursuit of peace is a major one in our world today. People are longing for, for peace and, and tranquility and this blissful kind of life, free of cares and worries. To quote Daryl Kerrigan of the castle, as he talks about his beloved Bonnie Doon, how's the serenity? How's the serenity? That's what we're longing for in our lives, the serenity that comes, the peace. We look for peace. We try to find peace, but so often we look for it in the wrong places. The kind of peace that each and every one of us needs, that all of humanity needs, is peace with God. Peace with God means that we have been reconciled with Him. There's no more distance or enmity or um, separation blocking our relationship with Him. It's through Jesus, it's through His death that tore the veil, His resurrection that conquered sin and, and the grave that we can come, that all those things remove the barrier into his presence. The good news for us this morning is that this takes care of our past. Since we have been justified, this word can mean just as if I had never sinned, the right standing that we have with God, not by anything we could have done, not by anything that we could earn or deserve, but by his great grace and love and kindness and generosity takes care of our past. It brings peace with God. 
The good news for us this morning, peace with God is more than just a, a theory, more than just a good idea, something that's kind of out there but we can't attain. No, in Christ, through Him, we can know peace with God. What a gift this is. It's, it's the kind of gift that, that we need, that is personal for each and every one of us. We need to know that peace with God. It's something that we couldn't attain on our own. It's costly. It costs Him everything. What a gift that we can have peace with God. God's generosity towards us also means, second thing this morning, that we have access into this grace. This refers to our privileged position of being accepted by Him. And perhaps a better translation of this word access would be introduction. The, the particular Greek word used, prosagoge, is a, is a regular word used for introducing or ushering someone into the presence of royalty where otherwise they could never have come. And I was thinking about what this kind of means, what this looks like, a bit of a, an illustration of what it looks like. You know when you uh, fly on a, on a plane, you travel, and they call all the kind of first class and business class people first, and they all go on the plane and they take their seats, and then they call the rest of us to come and line up and you, know, you go through, and then as you get on the plane, you walk through and you kind of peer through the, past the veil, past the curtain into first class, then you walk through the business class and everyone's settled there and you see the incredible size of the seats that they have and they're already getting served champagne and all this kind of thing and you walk past and you try not to be jealous, Lord forgive me, you head through and then you find your seat and there's already someone snoring, there's about five babies crying already and you sit down in your seat with no leg room. Well picture that situation and then picture one of the flight attendants coming towards you and saying, uh, excuse me sir, excuse me madam. Uh, would you come this way? There's, I'm, I'm going to usher you this way. Through the veil, through the curtain, up into this position of royalty, this position of first class to enjoy all the benefits, all the blessings on this journey that come with being in first class. So think about that for a moment. I think there'd be great rejoicing. There'd be great gratitude. There'd be, you know, maybe a bit, see you later everyone, I'm heading this way. But that's this picture of this access by faith into this grace. It's a picture of being ushered or brought or introduced into this position of royalty from a position of cattle class. That's this, that's this picture. That we don't have kind of anything that we, we can do to deserve that. It's just because of the kindness of someone who ushers us in. To bring it back to our lives of faith, by virtue of our position in Christ, by virtue of having right standing and a relationship with God, we have access by faith, if you like, we have been ushered and introduced into the presence of royalty where otherwise we would never have been able to come. William Barclay, his commentaries, puts it this way. It's as if Paul is saying here that Jesus ushers, us, ushers in, us into the very presence of God. 
Jesus opens the door for us to the presence of the King of Kings. And when that door is opened, what we find is grace, not condemnation, not judgment, not vengeance, but the sheer, undeserved, unmerited, incredible kindness of God. Isn't that a wonderful picture? That through Jesus we have access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. This undeserved, unmerited, incredible kindness of God. Does, not, does this not change things for us? Does this not impact upon our day-to-day lives? You know, think about that plane ride. How would that impact upon your perception of the journey, of your attitude towards that long-haul flight? If all of a sudden you're expecting, you're standing here in economy class, and then all of a sudden you get ushered through the aisles up to this place of grace, up to this place of blessing. That would change your whole outlook, wouldn't it? When we have a rough day at work, when there's family conflict and tension happening, when there's struggles and things that we're maybe going through, we don't have to run, we don't have to to keep God at arm's distance, we don't have to wallow and get down in the dumps. We can remember that actually, no, through Jesus, we have access to stand in His grace, this grace in which we now stand. Peace with God, as we talked about already, takes care of our past. Access to this grace takes care of our present. We can come before the Lord anytime. What a gift this is. Not a cheap and nasty gift, but deeply personal. What we need, what we couldn't attain on our own. We have peace with God. We have access into this grace. And we can, God's generosity to us also means that we can rejoice in hope. We can rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have a hope. It's this joyful and confident expectancy of good. And and our hope rests not just on how we're feeling, not just upon our circumstances, but upon the Lord, upon His power and His faithfulness. This takes care of our future because we can look ahead with a sense of of confidence, with a sense of hope and trust that the Lord is at work and that He is faithful and that He will never let us down. Now, we know that that life and the day-to-day, the nitty-gritty, the various things that we may be facing or walking through right now, the things that perhaps we need breakthrough in or that we need to overcome in, Life is not all just roses and tea parties, is it? It's hard things. So how can we see God's generosity, his kindness to us in the midst of the mess, in the midst of the hard things, in the midst of the troubles and the sufferings that Paul includes as part of what we should be rejoicing about? I want to just unpack this a little bit because I think there's something in this for us today. Paul said that we can rejoice in our sufferings. And this word used for sufferings, it it can be translated or or, um, described as as meaning this word for pressure, pressures, if you like. And all kinds of things may press upon us as followers of Jesus. Circumstances, sorrows, 
perhaps persecution or hostility towards us. But you know, the Lord has purpose in the pressure. Purpose that we can, in fact, rejoice in. If we think for a moment just about life in general and about pressure, it's not always a bad thing. If we think about a tap, a tap needs pressure, doesn't it, to be able to bring a flow of water. If there's no pressure, there's a problem, isn't it? We get a trickle instead of a good flow of water. We don't just want to be trickle Christians, do we? If we think of a guitar, for example, we need pressure applied to the strings to actually make it sound any good. Otherwise, it sounds rubbish. But when you put the pressure upon the strings, that's a good thing. It means that there is a sound and a melody that comes forth. Without it, it's just horrible noise. We don't want to just make, as followers of Jesus, we don't just want to make empty noise or be resounding gongs. If we think of the process of of wine being made, there's a pressing that happens, pressure that happens to the grapes in order to produce something good. Without the pressing, without the pressure, you'd have some sort of mush, certainly nothing of substance. Could it be that the pressures that Paul says that we're to rejoice in, the trials, the sufferings, could it be that they're actually a generous gift, something that is needed and valuable in our lives, a gift that reflects God's heart of kindness and generosity towards us as his people so that endurance is produced in us? So that character is produced in us. So that hope would abound in us. So that there's actually something of substance to our faith. So that what comes out of us is actually good and true and pure and lasting and reflects who he is to the world around us. It says in verse 5 that God's love has been poured into our hearts. Because he is exceedingly and abundantly generous towards us, I want to suggest to us that he loves us too much to just leave us as we are. So he is at work, even in the suffering, even in the pressure, those things pressing on us, he is at work generously bringing about the very things that will be of supreme value and worth to us. What a gift this hope is. This hope that we can rejoice in even in the midst of the pressures and the hard things. Because of God's generosity towards us, we have peace with God. We have access to this grace. We have a hope that is ours that we can rejoice in through all seasons. We must remember that all these things are incredibly costly gifts given by the Lord. Let's look at what this generos- when this generosity was displayed. Verse 6, 
It wasn't when we got to a point where we deserved the blessing of his generosity. It wasn't when we were in a position to, to pay him back. Quite the contrary. Verse 6 to 11. It says, while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were his enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. As we approach Easter just in a couple of weeks' time, I pray that we would pause and reflect on the generosity of God towards us. Like the guitar strings and the band-aids that I started with. That every time I see them, I smile and I remember the generosity of my boys towards me. I pray that as we come to Easter and, and beyond that, our whole lives, that we would be a people who it's like every time we take a breath becomes a reminder of the generosity of God towards us. That when we open up Scripture, His Word, it's like a, a reminder of His generosity towards us, His people. That when we survey, consider, or look upon the cross, as we remember, ah, oh, we have peace with God. Thank you, Lord. We have access into this grace that, oh, we can rejoice in hope, even in the pressures. That as we remember those things, as we remind ourselves of those things, that it's like this, this reminder of God's generosity to us, expressed through the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is our response to this generosity that has impacted our past, with peace with God, our present, access into his grace, and our future? What is our response? Well, just as when a gift is given, we need to receive it, right? There's something else about receiving a gift. This is where I, I guess, want to land this morning. The takeaway, the call, the exhortation, if you like. Something of substance to put into practice this week. 2 Corinthians 9.15 expresses it well. It says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Colossians 3.15 puts it this way. And be thankful. And be thankful. How could we not be thankful, live thankful in response to all that God has done for us in Christ? How could we not live thankful in response to all that he is doing and continues to do? Grace upon grace, his love that is poured out into our hearts. Unfortunately, we live in a, in a world and a society that I guess at times or increasingly has this sense of entitlement about it, doesn't it? And it's easy to fall into this trap of kind of thinking that God owes us something. You know, it's like when we go into a cafe, we, we expect to be served, you know, reasonably promptly. We expect our coffee to be, you know, the right temperature and the right kind of brew and all that thing. We expect the food to be good and oh, it's too cold. You know, so we can kind of come with that attitude. It might be okay in a cafe. We need to guard against that coming and creeping into the church, into our lives of faith, into our response to the Lord. 
There's a book that I read, um, I remember it impacted me greatly in my teenage years. It's called The Heavenly Man, by a guy by the name of uh, Brother Yun. Some of you may have read that. Incredible man of, of God, just what he endured for the name of, for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just, just uh, incredible and challenging and convicting and inspiring. But I remember uh, it was either in that book or, or the, the kind of follow-up book to that. He said, he made this, uh, this plea really, he, he said something along these lines that really uh, convicted me and grabbed hold of me, challenged me. It was along the lines of, something along the lines of this, that if God never did one more thing for me in terms of physical, tangible blessing, I could never complain or feel hard done by because I remember the cross and the price that Jesus paid. He owes me nothing, but I owe him everything. He owes us nothing, but it's his grace, it's his heart of generosity, it's his free and unmerited favor and kindness that he has given us everything. And now we have the privilege of offering him our everything. Living lives thankful. I believe as followers of Jesus, surely we should be the most thankful people on the planet. The most thankful non-grumbling, non-entitled people as we consider the generosity and the kindness bestowed upon us. And from a place of thankfulness, I believe flows grace and generosity to others as well. It's amazing the impact that thankfulness has and will have on those around us, on our own lives actually, but also on those around us. A little girl who's two and a half, she just... Every time we make a morning tea or breakfast or meal, she'll just be so quick to say, thank you, Daddy, for making my food. Thank you, Daddy, for making my morning tea. Thank you. Like, she's just always been like that. It's just a real blessing. But it actually rubs off on her brothers because now they're like, oh, yeah, thanks. You know, thanks, Dad, for that. (laughs) But thankfulness does that. When there's an attitude of thankfulness and gratitude in our hearts, It will make a massive difference in our own outlook and perspective. I guarantee you that. But it will also have an impact on those around us, on our families, on our colleagues at work, on our community, on our church even as well. When there's that attitude of thankfulness because it's it's contagious. Through Jesus, through the finished work of the cross, we have peace with God. We have this privilege of having access to God, to stand in His grace. We can have hope that we rejoice in. And I pray that we would have eyes to see afresh His generosity towards us in all that He has done, but to see His generosity in all the things that He is doing now. Can I just get um, maybe just Jeanette and Brennan, if you guys could come up? Thankfulness in response to God's generosity. I'm just going to finish with one final example, story. And then we'll pray and just see what the Lord wants to do. But uh, at the moment, the last little while, my kids and I, we've been playing 
Spoto. You know Spoto? And the way we play it is when you're driving in the car, if you see, for us, it's a yellow car. And the first person to see it says, Spoto, Spoto. And you keep a tally. And it's amazing because I've found myself now, because we play that game in the car, just wherever I'm at, where they're not with me or if I look out the window of my office or just driving around, it's amazing how many yellow cars are on the road. <laughs> I was never looking for them before. But now because that's where my focus is, because we play this game together, that all of a sudden it's like I see them everywhere. I see it everywhere. And I've just been reflecting on that and thinking about that. And I think there's something that we can draw from that for our lives of faith. That God's heart of generosity and kindness is, is there. It's so clear throughout Scripture. We look at the cross. But it's like we see and we find what we look for, don't we? I'm kind of tuned to yellow cars, so I see and find. Ah, yellow car. But in life, sometimes... Maybe we're not looking out for that yellow car. Maybe we're not kind of looking out for that generosity of God. Maybe we're not looking out for that, those things that we can be thankful for. I want to encourage us this morning. Let us come back to that place. Let's be on the lookout, intentional, to see God's generosity. Whether it's in the little things or in the big things as we approach Easter those things to be thankful for. Let's keep our eyes peeled and let's see afresh the kindness and the generosity of God and let's respond with thankfulness to Him. Can we stand together this morning? Maybe the prayer team, uh, if you could just move forward at this point just to either side here. thank the prayer team. I want to thank you for those who faithfully serve each week, willing to pray, seek the Lord, and be a blessing. So there is prayer available this morning. Uh, I'll, I'll pray shortly and open up the altar for those who want to come. Can we just, just focus our attention upon the Lord? Perhaps close your eyes. Fix your attention upon Him. You know, all of us come to church on a Sunday having had different weeks, facing different things. I feel perhaps this morning that the Lord wants to just minister in a few different areas. Perhaps you're here today and the wonder of the generosity of God's heart towards you has maybe just grown a little bit dim. Maybe it's just Ah, just been going through the motions. This morning, I believe there's an invitation just to come afresh, maybe receive prayer, maybe just come and kneel at the front. To see afresh, like that Spoto game, to see afresh the wonder of God's heart, His generosity towards you. Perhaps thankfulness 
has given way to grumbling, complaining. There's an invitation for you to come this morning. Perhaps kneel before the Lord. Ask for the Lord to come and, and, and birth that thankfulness once again. Perhaps the blessing of His generosity towards you through Christ has been forgotten or overlooked in the busyness of life. And there's a, I guess, a response or a drawing this morning of, oh, wow, thank you, Lord, that I have peace with you. That wherever I'm at, I can have access to you and this grace which you have made available. Thank you that I can rejoice in hope no matter what I'm in the midst of. Perhaps you're hearing about the generosity of God for the first time. Maybe you've always felt you have to earn everything or have it all together. You've never realized that there is a God who loves you, that there is a God who desires relationship with you. Through Jesus, through his death on the cross, through his resurrection from the grave, he's made a way for you to come to be in relationship, to experience kindness and generosity of God for yourself. Surrender your life to Jesus. If that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to respond this morning. So Lord, we praise you and thank you for our time together. Lord, for your kindness, exceeding and abundant generosity towards us. Lord, that we can know peace with Lord, we can have access into your presence, into your grace, Lord. That, Lord, we can rejoice in hope. Thank you, Lord, that it wasn't when we had it all together. It's not when we have it all together. That you died, that you expressed your generosity. It was while we were far away, while we were distant, while we were still sinners, Lord. So we honor you and thank you for that this morning. And I pray that we would be a thankful people, Lord God, that we would see afresh going from here this morning, Lord, your generosity, your kindness, your goodness, your provision, Lord, the peace that we have with you, the hope and the salvation that we have in you, Lord God, that that would be what fills our gaze, that we could not help but see, Lord, your kindness and your generosity, things that we can be thankful for, Lord God. It would be like we see yellow cars everywhere, except those cars represent, Lord, all that you have done and all that you are doing, Lord God. So would you stir our hearts afresh this morning? May we not gloss over the cross, particularly as we lead into Easter, Lord. I just pray, God, that we would reflect on and consider and remember afresh, Lord, the finished work of the cross and what that means for us, Lord God. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. We love and we honor you, Lord Jesus. This morning, I just bless each and every person here with your love, Heavenly Father, with your grace, Lord Jesus, with your presence, fellowship, Holy Spirit. And we go from here, full of faith, filled with your Spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.